Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Uh, folks, you're so welcome. If we haven't met before, I'm Andy and I don't do puppets, so um, maybe we're all relieved. Um, before we do talk a little bit about Easter, I just want to say thank you to a few people in the room. Um, if any of you were at our Good Friday services last week, um, we had the most amazing time with our families at five, uh, with an adult service at eight. It's a little bit funny to revisit Good Friday post-resurrection, but if you missed Good Friday, can I really encourage you to maybe take some time this week uh, to watch it back on YouTube. It truly was extraordinary. Um, you would not be surprised to know that all of the different things that have been going on this morning happened because there's an army of people that have been up super early doing all kinds of things. And uh, the final headline is, boys and girls, if you're listening, I fancy the choir director. Um, um, don't tell anyone, right? Um, would you just uh, join me in thanking everybody that made this weekend possible, please? Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Easter, uh, Easter changes everything. Uh, because of Easter, anything is possible. And um, we really, really believe that here. Chris wasn't just kind of sharing some interesting stories, but uh, this is a community where lives are changing. Uh, that doesn't mean this is a community where everyone's having a great time. Life can be really hard sometimes. Um, but Jesus is alive. And because of that, we have faith, uh, we have hope, and we are able to live into a life of love uh, together. I want to read a, a passage and just talk briefly about Easter and then we're going to celebrate some baptisms. But this is from Mark chapter 16. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that stone, which was very large and had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. There's a little anecdote in this passage that you maybe haven't noticed before. It's not obvious. But the angel talks to these two ladies and says, go and tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. And then says, and tell Peter as well. Now, for those of you that are saturated in the scriptures, you'll know that Peter is a disciple. This is an interesting question of what's happened. Why are the angels saying, go tell the disciples and Peter? Well, the reality is Peter has completely disqualified himself from ever being associated with Jesus ever again. That's what's going on in Peter's heart and in his mind. He's made some huge errors, some massive mistakes, and he's actually living in a place of deep shame. I wonder if you've ever been there. 
And I love this moment. One of the first things the angels tell these people is, go tell the one who's disqualified himself that Jesus is alive. Maybe that's good news for you this morning. I find it really impossible to kind of get my head around what would have been going on in the hearts and the minds of these ladies as they made their pilgrimage towards this grave. They have just watched as someone they loved has been brutally executed in front of their very eyes. And they're literally making this pilgrimage to go and tend to a dead body. They've bought spices. They're wondering how they're going to get the tomb uh, opened. And they're going to go and tend to a dead body. And when they arrive, the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. Their hearts race. Their minds equal parts excited as they are terrified. What does it mean? And could it really be true? See, they haven't lived through years of chocolate eggs and Easter bunnies and this story being told over and over and over again. There's no familiarity for them in this moment. This is the very first time. They're experiencing something that feels familiar but equally confusing. I wonder, are they having almost deja vu? I wonder if any of you have deja vu often. Deja vu is funny because like Whenever you're experiencing deja vu, two things happen. Something says this is really familiar, and at the same time, very disorientating. You're like, what's happening? I'm convinced that's some of what these women were experiencing. They thought they witnessed Jesus' death. What they actually saw was the death of death. And something in their hearts Beat a little bit faster. Could this really be true? Could everything that we long for, everything that we hope for, could it actually be happening? You see, to understand Easter, you have to understand the story that we find ourselves in. What's actually going on in the world? What's really real? Those are massive, important questions. The Bible says that God created the earth and everything that's in it. In the Genesis account, he creates all sorts of things, and then he gets to the moment, the crowning glory, as it were, of his creation. Do any of you know what that was? What's the pinnacle of God's creation? We're going to be here a while. The pinnacle of God's creation is what? People. Just look at the person beside you, give them a nudge, tell them you're the pinnacle of God's creation. If you're sitting beside someone single and you fancy them, give them a wink when you say it. The crowning glory of everything that God made is what you're looking at. Who's a little bit disappointed? Don't be honest. Don't do that. I'm just joking. We had the most incredible sunrise uh, over Sleeve Crube this morning. I was looking at it while my darling wife was still in bed, and I was convinced that what was in my bed is the crowning glory of all that God created. You're not supposed to lie on stage, sure you're not? I'm not. That's why that's good news. I'm not telling lies. It was a beautiful sunrise, though. Um, I'm in trouble. The very pinnacle of creation 
the scriptures teach us, is humanity. I want you to imagine some aliens land in the Garden of Eden, okay? And Adam and Eve are wandering around, slightly surprised they've never seen these things before. And the aliens approach and they say, hey, is there a God in this world? And Adam and Eve say, yeah, 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 there's a God, yeah. All of this was actually made by design. And then they say, what's he like? What's God like? It would have been entirely appropriate, I imagine actually quite easy for Adam and Eve with absolutely no shame to point at each other. Because the scriptures say we are made in God's image. Every single one of us, humanity is imprinted with the image of God. He created us in his image with a purpose, to love him, to care for each other, and to care for the earth. That's like basic human vocation 101. Love God, care for each other, and care for the earth. We were created to live in unbroken communion with God, each other, and the world around us. But it doesn't take a genius to look around, to read the news, and come to the conclusion that all is not well. Something went wrong. That communion has been broken through what we call the fall. Death made its way into the world. And we see that in our physical bodies. We see that in our systems. We see that in the earth all around us. We are unable to see the face of God in our enemies. We do violence in thought and deed to each other. No matter how environmentally conscious we are, no matter how hard we try, we are all complicit in systems and economies that are destroying the earth. And it's into that context, into that backdrop that God takes on flesh, blood and bone in the person of Jesus. He moves into the neighborhood to show us once more what it means to be truly human. The scriptures say, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just look at the person beside you and say, you are the righteousness of God. Feels sinful in this little place. Feels impossible to be true. That we would be, because of Jesus, the righteousness of God. Of God. You see, it is so easy, no matter what our faith background and no matter what our faith level, it is so easy to live into a story that says God is all holy, all powerful, all those things, and I am the opposite. That's not the story we find ourselves in. On Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that because of Jesus, we have been restored to our rightful place as image bearers of the Almighty God, loving Him, loving each other, and loving the earth. Like I said, those who witnessed the crucifixion thought they were watching the death of their friend. They would come to realize they were watching the death of death itself. C.S. Lewis's version of the resurrection, as recorded in the Chronicles of Narnia, captures this so beautifully. Oh, Aslan, cried both the children, staring up at him, almost as much frightened as they were glad. Aren't you dead then, dear Aslan, said Lucy. Not now, said Aslan. 
You're not, not, not a, asked Susan in a shaky voice. She couldn't bring herself to say the word ghost. Aslan stooped his golden head and licked her forehead. The warmth of his breath and a rich sort of smell that seemed to hang about his hair came all over her. Do I look it? He said. Oh, you're real, you're real. Oh, Aslan, cried Lucy. And both girls flung themselves upon him and covered him with kisses. But what does it all mean? Asked Susan when they were somewhat calmer. It means said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. The death itself would start working backwards. Easter changes everything. Because of Easter, anything is possible. Because of Easter, real life everlasting life begins for us. We are recommissioned into our original design. Because of resurrection, our communion with God, with each other, and with the earth is healed. In the moment of Jesus' resurrection, we see the answer to the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done here and now as it is in heaven. Kingdom come has begun. This is the day the revolution began. Death has died and we are free. Now, there are varying degrees of wrinkles in the room. So there's this funny thing, as we proclaim the death of death, and yet our bodies age and creak. A friend of mine described getting older to me recently as just a series of small injuries, one after each other. There's this wonderful interaction between a Pharisee called Nicodemus and Jesus in the Gospels. Nicodemus is trying to understand, what's Jesus talking about? And Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is so confused. He's never been around any evangelical church circles. He's never heard that expression before in his life. And he's like, what are you talking about? Be born again. I can't even imagine what that would require. Jesus says, what's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. That the death of death is not about the denial of decaying bodies. But it's about the immortality of our spirits. That in Jesus, no matter how we age, life flows within us even beyond the grave. In Northern Ireland, we we do well as blokes at being a bit grumpy. Um, there's, a, there's a gentleman uh, in his late 70s who goes to the vineyard in Dublin. 
Vineyard Church down in Dublin, and we get together a few times a year with all the other vineyard churches, and this particular gentleman cannot help himself but in worship in a really quiet way. I've never been in a gathering where this guy's sat behind me or in front of me or to the left of me or to the right of me where this hasn't happened. But as we worship Jesus, he giggles. Completely white head of hair, lots of well-earned wrinkles. And in the midst of worshiping Jesus, this infectious, childlike chuckle happens. There's something about him that makes me want to be like him if I am graced to get to that age. There's something in his spirit that he has discovered that no matter how decayed his body becomes, life flows in his spirit in a way that is undeniable. That, friends, is the fruit of the gospel. You see, this story contrary to what so many of us have been told for so long, is not a story about heaven when you die. It's not the gospel. It's about life invading our present now and forever. That because of resurrection, everything has changed and now anything is possible. It is about us being restored into our human vocation of loving God, caring for each other, and caring for the world. It is about faith, hope, and love literally moving into our lives and our neighborhoods. Easter changes everything because it opens the door for us to become all we were created to be. Because of Easter, anything is possible. But I wonder how many of us find ourselves on this resurrection day a little bit stuck. Stuck in habits and patterns of death and decay, or perhaps not quite so acute, just stuck in a state of numbness. Drifting through life, wondering, is there any real meaning or purpose out there? Resurrection Day reminds us that we have immeasurable value, that we were created with purpose in Christ Jesus. And as we celebrate resurrection, I wonder how many of us gather in this moment desperate for it for ourselves, for our lives, for our marriages, for our families, for our communities, that in the state of stuckness that we are 25 years on from an incredible achievement known as the Good Friday Agreement, we are stuck and we need resurrection. We need new possibilities. We need fresh imagination. We need to shake off the cynicism that says nothing really changes around here. Because this moment changes everything. And now anything is possible. Turn to the person beside you and say, anything is possible. See, (laughs) it's so easy. It's so easy. Like, I look at myself in the mirror and wonder, could it be true as well? 
Is anything really possible with me? There's plenty of you in the room that have so much faith for anything to be possible for. But for myself, I'm not so sure. Because of this moment, anything's possible. That's the gospel. That's the story that we are invited to inhabit. That regardless of where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how stuck you feel, Easter changes everything. And now, anything is possible. We're going to pray into that in just a little while. But we're going to celebrate some friends from this community who have encountered Jesus, whose lives have been changed, and who are going to follow him in baptism. What's really interesting about this weird balloon holding thing right now, thanks, Ez. Um, this tank and the water in it, uh, there's nothing magical about this. This is really important that you understand. Uh, this is not magic, it's all metaphor. That as Ryan and Richard follow Jesus in baptism, they inhabit his life. That this Water represents a grave. It's a metaphor for a grave, that they get buried with Jesus. And on this resurrection day, in the presence of their friends, their church family, and those who love them, they are resurrected to new life uh, in Him. So will you join me in welcoming Ryan and Richard as they come on up? Come on up, guys.